Crazy, crazy times we're living in right now. Just seven days ago, I stood right here, and uh, I was able to share a, a fun story about April fooling my wife. I got to teach about Joseph and, and the grace that he showed his brothers. And here we are seven days later, seven days later where lots has changed. And it seems like it's continually changed day by day by day in, in, in throughout our congregation and certainly throughout uh, our nation Lots of folks have lost stuff. <laughs> Some folks have lost their minds. I heard of a fight at Dollar General over toilet paper, which is just straight up embarrassing. We lost some stuff we love that seems a little trivial. Uh, we're not going to get the NCAA tournament this year. I can't believe it. I love to watch that thing. Some folks have uh, lost their opportunity toward education. They're not going back to college. And they're staying at home. Uh, some folks have lost a ton of money in the stock market, and so they feel that deeply. And if we were going to be sensitive, which we're not often, uh, some folks have lost loved ones across the world, and uh, we don't know how many that's going to end up being. I'm not here to propose or talk about any of that, but it's real. Here we are. Last week, I felt no obligation or even desire to say anything about the coronavirus. Let's just talk about grace. And here we are today, and it seems to be on every headline. and Every school system's talking about it, and, and we're trying to find our way. So it's a, a great time to be together as a church. I'm really thankful that you're joining us via this, this system of video. And uh, so we're going to do this together. We're going to learn how to do it together, and we'll see what the coming weeks go. We, we don't know. We'll, we will take it one day at a time and, and continue to adjust as we go because we have this great opportunity to represent Jesus during this time of crisis. The best thing, the one thing I know how to do and I know that we should do is to pray. So let me pray. And then I'll walk you through a few things. Jesus, uh, glad to be sitting here, not be glad to be sitting here with nobody in the room. Uh, thankful for these guys that are serving, putting together the video for all our different folks that are our participants at Radius. So now, Lord, we pray you would take these moments and your word and, and touch our hearts and bring hope for those that need hope. Help uh, calm some frustration for those that are extremely frustrated. Uh, give direction to those that have to make wise decisions, whether they just be for their family or for uh, the companies that they work for or, or wherever that might be. Lord, we want to be like you, Jesus, during this season. Please, uh, just in these moments, teach us how to be like you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so I primarily wanted, just in about 30 minutes, to pray. Primarily, I want to talk to you a little bit about how Radius made the decisions to do what we're doing. I want to open up a, a, a little passage of Scripture and teach in kind of a devotional way from a story in the Old Testament. And then talk just a little bit about church history. And... Uh, and wrap it up, and then we'll look forward to communicating in the coming days as more, as more information comes out and we learn how to lead in the middle of this. So, so first, let me just uh, communicate to you how we ended up here and how Radius chose to cancel, as you've figured out by now, cancel all of our services for this Sunday. Uh, first of all, this thing has grown and grown and grown as the week's gone on. Just in the last couple hours, I've heard that one of our facilities actually wasn't available to us uh, because of the virus. 
Uh, so, so that's new. Just found out that there was a case within a half a mile of my house that's been confirmed. Been there since Tuesday and were removed. So there's stuff moving that uh, really wasn't clear early in the week. So we as elders, uh, we got together Saturday uh, at about 1.30. And we've been trying to push off this decision, push off the decision. We've made multiple decisions during the week. And then finally we came to this question, should we cancel or not? And we took some time to talk. We've, we've asked a lot of our friends at other churches in other, other parts of the state. And then we've asked some folks that are kind of experts in this area. And, and uh, finally came to the conclusion that Radius, that we, we should cancel all of our services all day Sunday. So uh, what I want to say really clearly is that some of our friends decide to stay open. And um, man, happy for them and... We, we, we are the church, so we pull for one another. This isn't one of those things where, though we felt like this was the most responsible decision for, for Radius, not sitting here acting like somebody else is being irresponsible. We felt like in, in a responsible way, uh, we needed to close because of a number of things we've learned, especially in the last 24 hours that have continued to grow uh, and become more uh, obvious. For example, the state of North Carolina has, has opted to limit all gatherings to less than 100 people. And the more I struggle to try to understand why, why are big gatherings such a big deal? One of the things that became really apparent is that folks, our medical folks and our government are trying to reduce the speed of the spread of this virus. It's just understood that the virus is going to spread. They have some decent understanding on who are the most vulnerable, i.e. the elderly and one of the goals of, of our government and other folks is to keep it from spreading too fast and not peaking so fast that it overwhelms our hospital systems, our medical staff. And so one of the things they're hoping is to keep big groups from getting together so that it doesn't spread more rapidly. Maybe you've read some about it. Maybe you don't agree with that. All of that's possible and that's fine. For us, that really seemed like the wisest decision at that point. And we debated it as we have six elders here at Radius and we went back and forth and we have variety of opinions. And at the end, uh, just seemed a responsible thing to do. And so that's what we've done. We, there's a little bit of it where we want to submit to kind of the way our government's leading. We want to honor the elderly, but we also kind of get it from a wisdom standpoint that we don't want to overwhelm uh, our, our healthcare system. So just, just so, I, I, so you know, we understand how you process. If you're like me, I tend to lean toward underreaction. That is just how I'm set up. I've been brought up in a home of underreaction. That's kind of how I roll. And some of you lean toward overreaction, right? And so when something crazy happens, you make it crazier. And, and we could probably all point, probably husbands and wives are pointing at each other right now, and kids are pointing at parents and, and so forth. And so that's just kind of how it works. I saw, I saw an article uh, just today where they, they actually called the underreactors, yours truly, um, as folks that often operate in stupid denial. And I thought that was a little painful. And for the folks that were overreactors, um, they're folks that are prone to panic and they freak out over stuff and their emotions get out of control and they think with their, with their hearts instead of their heads. Uh, we don't, we don't want to lean either of those ways. What we've tried to do is take the emotion out of it and get as much information as we can and then lead well throughout it. So I appreciate your patience with our leadership and uh, we hope to lead well in these coming days. Um, we hope to lead in humility and we have this great anticipation that this is going to produce opportunity for radius, particularly to impact Lexington, Saluda and, uh,
Irmo and then really some other parts of the, the, the Midlands area for the name of Christ. So what I'd like to do is share a couple, couple, just a few minutes from some verses in the Bible and hopefully learn a little bit together about this particular season. And then I want to share just, just maybe three minutes of church history and then talk about kind of where we're going to go from here. I uh, want to take you to a, a book in the Old Testament, which you probably haven't read a lot. Every time I say it, people laugh because I can't even pronounce it right. There's a first and a second Chronicles. They're, they're about in the middle of the Old Testament. In second Chronicles, verse 20, there's this really interesting uh, uh, leadership moment for uh, one of the kings of the nation of Judah. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel is formed. They have a king, his name Saul, and then uh, David becomes the king, and he kind of unifies the kingdom, and it's a powerful kingdom. He has a son named Solomon, and Solomon builds a temple, and the nation of Israel is the dominant nation of the time, and it becomes very wealthy. Uh, when Solomon dies, his son uh, and, and, and another guy divide the kingdom. And so there's, there's a northern and a southern kingdom, and there's the, uh, the southern kingdom, Judah, uh, is led by a variety of kings, and the northern kingdom is led by a variety of kings. The northern kingdom never has a good king. The southern kingdom has a few. I think six, if I remember right. This is one of them. You probably won't name your son after him. His name is Jehoshaphat. And I want to read this story because my hope is during this season of crisis that you'll be more biblical than political. It seems right now, for some reason, that the church of Jesus Christ in the United States wants to be political. And that's kind of our go-to. I, I want you to be biblical. And let me, let me read to you how this leader reacts in the middle of crisis. This is Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already in Hezazan, Tamar. This is another uh, name for Engedi. And Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. What an amazing response, right? <laughs> One, maybe terrified doesn't really uh, make you feel good. I, I would imagine our national leaders right now are somewhat baffled as I watch them on, on either side of the aisle. They just seem baffled. When even church leaders, as I've talked to folks across, none of us have ever been through anything like this. We can't call somebody who's been through something like this. And so we're baffled. Maybe not terrified, but baffled. Jehoshaphat is terrified, and his natural reaction when he's terrified is to beg the Lord for guidance. That was uh, humbling for me to read because I tend to want to watch the news and come up with my personal solution and pretend like I'm the president. Maybe you're the same. It strokes something in me. And in this moment, a, a really good leader, not a great leader, just a good leader, begs the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. I don't know if you know what fasting means, but that means not eating. So it's not real easy to motivate people not to eat, but they begin fasting. So, so people from all towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. And listen to his prayer, just, just one verse of his prayer. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. It's a pretty amazing moment when Jehoshaphat leads his people to pray and fast. Why fast? Why not eat? Sometimes not eating, 
I don't know about when you, if you've ever fasted, but when I fast, it just makes me feel weak. I don't feel like I can pick up my arms anymore. And, and sometimes it even distracts me from praying because I'm so miserable with lack of food. But by the end of the day, oftentimes, if I fast for 20, 24 hours, by the end of that time, I'm finally kind of coming to the end of my ability to get something done. And it makes me fix my eyes on Jesus. In this case, fix their eyes on God, Yahweh. He's wanting to take their eyes off the enemy and all the danger. He's wanting to take their eyes off of their abilities against the danger and fix their eyes on the real hope for their nation, Yahweh. In our case, we fix our eyes on Jesus. I just want you to stew on that. What does that look like for you and your family? As you sit and we do this together in front of a computer screen, a TV screen, what does it look like to fix our eyes on Jesus and take our eyes off all the stuff that are moving around? Verse 9 reads like this, pretty great verse. They said, whenever we faced, uh, he, uh, Jehoshaphat is Quoting the fathers of the past, telling God and the people what they said. He says, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. It's humility in that statement. Check out verse 12. More humility. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? They're facing certain attack by a very, very powerful and large enemy. We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for you for help. Feel the humility. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of can lean toward the power of positive thinking. Certainly when something like this virus comes out for me, I'm like, let's just stay positive and let's push through it. I lean that way. I want to kind of fix it that way. Other, other folks kind of lean toward uh, attacking it with this master plan. But all of that pr- places pressure on mankind to, to react well. We believe in how we can get it done. These people, by the leadership of Jehos- Jehoshaphat, humble themselves. And they say, we're looking for help. We can't do this. Verse 17 goes on to say but you will not even need to fight god speaking to them through through a a prophet but you will not even need to fight take your positions then and stand still and watch the lord's victory he is with you O people of judah and jerusalem do not be afraid or discouraged go out against them tomorrow for the lord is with you so you got this flip the people are terrified they recognize very clearly that they are no match for the enemy they they speak to God, they pray and fast. And then this prophet comes back with a prophecy and God tells him, Hey, don't be afraid. Go out against them tomorrow. And they obey. Check out verse 20. Uh, Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out as told into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you'll succeed. Check out verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So, So here's their approach to a overwhelming enemy on their on its way to destroy the nation of Israel 
first to fast and to pray and, and then to obey. They go out to meet the enemy. And on the way, because they fasted and prayed and they fixed their eyes on Jesus, they're now moved by their leader to worship, to worship him. Once you fix your eyes on Jesus for a little while, it's interesting. You take your eyes off of the enemy and off of yourself and what you can do. And you fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and then they don't seem so big and, and you don't seem so big. And, and you fix your eyes on and you begin to worship. And they worship. And literally the king wants to put the singers out front, which is just hilarious to me because singers generally can't fight that good. They're, they're out front singing and worshiping God. And look, look what happens when the people's hearts are moved to worship. It says in verse 22, at this very moment, the moment they started worshiping, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to f- start fighting among themselves. So one army fighting the other army and the other army fighting. And the next thing you know, if you read through the passage, they all destroy each other. And the people of Israel never even have to go to battle. What sparked that? Fixing their eyes on Jesus. Verbally worshiping the great God of Israel. I just want to uh, remind us, Radius, that uh, that's our plan. I want to ask you something really specific. I want to ask you to fast with me. I want, to, I want to start that fast the minute you watch this video. So when it's over, I'd like for you to fast all the rest of the day Sunday and all day Monday. Tuesday morning, you break the fast. Here's what the fast looks like. I'd like for you to consider with your family fasting from all social media, uh, all news outlets, 36 hours. i like to get our eyes off of the enemy or off of ourselves and get our eyes fixed on Jesus. It'd be really appropriate to sit around the table at your house and have each child, husband and wife, if that's who's at the house, have a few friends over to talk about the greatness of Jesus just around the table. You're like, man, I've never done that before. Well, this would be a good time to start. We're going to take our eyes off of the enemy or this crisis and take our eyes off of ourselves we're not going to trust politics to fix it, and we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Just be really healthy. For some of you may want, not, want to take a day off of eating. Cheryl and I are going to take Monday. We're, we're not going to eat until supper on Monday. So we'll, we'll not eat all day Monday until supper. That's something we've done in the past, and it really helps us fix our eyes on Jesus. You want to participate with us in that? Great. If not, I, I want, I'm specifically asking you to turn off the phone, turn off the computer, and try to give some of that time to focusing on Jesus. The other thing I think that would be really interesting for us is to feed that desire to worship. So I don't know what you listen to on the radio or what CDs you have in the house. But plug in something that glorifies God. I'm not saying that's the only thing you ever have to listen to. But this just seems like a really right time to focus our eyes on Jesus. I wanted to share with you just a little bit of church history. Russell uh, over at Radius Lexington turned me on to an author named Rodney Stark. He wrote a book called The Christ, The, the, the Rise of Christianity. And he kind of goes through church history. Um, and, and one of the really cool moments in an article that, that I read that was passed on to me was he captures these plagues that, that uh, really challenged the world in the second, third, and sixth centuries. And each of those plagues, the church uh, stepped to the front 
And matter of fact, throughout the last 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ, when it comes to sickness and death, it seems like we rise. And, and I expect us, Radius, to rise during this. Here's what they did. The number of conversions rapidly increased during those seasons of great pressure. It's, uh, it's interesting when, when death is in our face, the folks with hope kind of roll to the front. So I just want to encourage us, just like that church did uh, in, the, in the early centuries, they knew how to sacrifice. And, and we, you, I, church at Radius, the church in Lexington, the church in Saluda, the church over in Irmo, we need to prepare ourselves to sacrifice. I don't know what sacrifice looks like right now. We don't know where this thing's going. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, it ought to situate us in a way like Jesus to be willing to sacrifice. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life. The church during those centuries, there's all these stories of the church staying in the middle of a plague and going to individuals and caring for them, caring for them, burying them, moving the bodies out of town. And eventually many of the Christians died with folks that had disease. They didn't run away. They stayed and they prayed. That's who we are. We're the light of the world because of what Jesus did. Of all the people that ought to have hope in the middle of crisis, it's the church. We have the hope of heaven. We look forward to a day of being with Christ. We have the hope of the resurrection. Jesus not only died, as we always remember, and was buried, but he rose from the grave. We're going to celebrate that on Easter. If we're allowed to, we'll celebrate that on Easter. And, and it's this great confidence that we have when we face death. Because we know he made a way for us to be resurrected. So prepare yourselves to sacrifice. And make sure that you're walking with hope as you go to work tomorrow. As you go to school tomorrow. We're supposed to be the ones that walk around with hope. Last couple thoughts. Very beginning of Radius 16 years ago. I can still remember us talking to the very few people that we were. And we would constantly say because we met at a school building. The church is not a building. That's never changed. We've never changed our mind. We're, we've added a few buildings. We're excited about the buildings that we got. But let me just say something. Right now, none of our buildings are open, but the church, Radius Church, is still open. The church in the world does not need a building. The church has always been the people. It's you sitting right behind a computer screen, and we're joined together in the Holy Spirit much more than we are by some video. We're joined together as a church. The church is open today. It's not closed, just the buildings we've locked up for a day. From the very beginning, we wanted Radius to be the church that was about the body, not whoever was up on stage. We never wanted Radius to be a personality church. We've always had multiple voices speaking from the front, and that will continue to be true. We, we call that the priesthood of all believers. We believe that you on the other end of the screen, all of us have a role to play in, in the church, in God's church. And so this is just another moment to prove that we at Radius are built on the priesthood of all believers. We've never been a come and see church. We never thought that the primary way to lead people to Jesus is get them to come in our buildings. We always thought that we wanted to be a go and tell church, which means you and me, our jobs in our neighborhoods right now in this crisis is to go and tell. It's going to be perhaps the greatest time in our lifetime to share the truth about Jesus, depending on how this thing goes. One of the other really cool things that's happened without really planning it is we've we've pushed more pressure onto our groups in, in really the last nine months we've always been a church with small groups we're becoming a church of small groups 
put a lot more pressure on our group leaders. And this is an opportunity for you. If you're a group leader, you can feel the challenge. I don't know what the, what this thing's going to bring. We might just miss this Sunday. We might miss the next three Sundays or the next six. Who knows? We don't know. But what it seems like we're going to be able to continue to do is continue to meet in smaller ways. So potentially you leading your group, you're going to be the pastor, the shepherd of, of a group of people. And you need to multiply because perhaps we're going to have to reduce the size of those groups. And if we do that, then we want to have somebody ready to lead. It's going to prove whether we're really serious about the priesthood of all believers, whether you really believe the same Holy Spirit leads you in that setting as he leads me in this setting. Can't wait to see how we do. Last. Dad, mom. Hey, we've always believed here that the parents in a home, whether you be a single parent or a father and a mother in a home, we've always believed that you were the primary, that you were the one that was going to deliver the truth about God to your family. This is a season when you've got to put up. You've got, you've got to find a way to deliver for your family. This, this potentially could be a little season where there's more time at home, where the youth ministry stuff doesn't work out quite the way it has in days past. And the pressure is rolling over onto you to lead well. Trust that you will, praying that you will. I want to pray over you right now. Jesus, we thank you for a few minutes to hang out. Strange to us. All of us feel strange looking at a screen right now in our homes with no community. We trust you with where this is going in the future. We trust, Holy Spirit, that you're going to guide us. You will uh, give us great wisdom in the days to come and help us as a church. We're looking forward to opportunities for you to empower us to love and serve this community. We pray for those, God. Pray, Jesus, right now for each family. I Some dad is sitting there with his family watching this right now. I pray you would empower him, give him courage to lead his family, help him know a couple questions to even ask as we wrap up this video that would walk his family down the road during this time of crisis. We got some single moms. We got some great single moms, Lord. You love them. We love them. Pray, Lord, in in this time where there's extra pressure on them, you give them the, the stamina to stand up strong, be there for their crew during this season. Pray that you would provide, that you would show us as a church how to partner in provision. Walk us through these coming days. And Father, thank you. We got a bunch of single folks. Some of them young, some of them old that are are, are alone right now. And it probably feels truly lonely. Because one of the great privileges that we have is gathering. So I pray, Lord, you'd meet that need. Both with your spirit and with a few friends that could sit together and speak of you. We trust that in your lives, in their lives, you're going to be, (laughs) you can't be extra present, but they would be extra connected with you, Lord. Father, we're trusting you with the weeks to come. Some with some trepidation, some with some excitement about what you might do next. Align us with your plan, Lord, and we want to be obedient. We trust you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.